is like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here uh, on a new month. Um, I've almost blanked on what the theme is. Hang on. Oh, uh, Jones and for Indies. Indie movies um, are the, the nature of the beast for this month. Uh, the normal movie club rules apply. One of us have, have not to have seen this movie before. And the other rule coming with the theme is it needs to be an independent film, which is basically any studio that's not the big six. Um, and so we went with this week's uh, movie is Blue Velvet. I picked it. Uh, it's Lynch is a filmmaker who I would I definitely uh, um, respect and appreciate. I don't know if I would just say I like because his movies don't always like they definitely never click instantly for me. I would say like it, it definitely requires some effort to understand with the exception of elephant man, which I think is extremely accessible and I love that movie. Um, but I think a lot of his other movies are intentionally um, challenging and require some additional uh, thought and effort to really grasp what he was doing. Um, Blue velvet is no exception. Although I think, uh, I think on the surface level, it's it's got Twin Peak vibes for sure. Um, the suburban kind of nightmare, I would say, kind of f- fits that. And uh, and yet, because I like the cast and the performances have, they're all weird, but they kind of fit into their personas a little bit. Like I totally think of Dennis Hopper as this guy because he's just like always been kind of eccentric in my eyes. Um, but we're not here to review it just yet. We like to start with some other stuff and we'll come back to Blue Velvet. But that's what we're going to be getting into uh, later. But before we do that, we like to check in with each other, see how we've been doing since the last time we recorded and find out what else we've been watching. So Corey, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, my grandmother and my cousin were here visiting and they've gone home. So just mm. getting back into the swing of things. And you, when you say your cousin, your cousin is a child. <laughs> yeah. She's right. my second cousin. Yeah. And she's quite <laughs> she's young. Nine and and oh, wild. Wow, she's nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, I know. Uh, so yeah, we had fun. Yeah, my age keeps like becoming more and more apparent when I hear stuff like that. I there was something today where I was like, "Wow, it's been that long." Um, well, actually, uh, it's Friday when we're recording this, as per our normal uh, recording time. And I found out this morning that um, Chevelle had a new album come out today, and so did uh, King Kings of Leon. And I was listening to the Kings of Leon album. I haven't really, I was never a huge fan. Um, I did kind of jump on the bandwagon when they got really popular with the the white album with the red Lose stuff somebody. on it. Yeah, you, you somebody's right? That, somebody. They had like four singles off of that album that like were all over the place. And that um, I was thinking about, I the reason that was so prevalent to me was that it was on FYE's soundtrack when I was working at FYE. Oh, and that was 11 that? years ago. Huh? I said, oh, wow, you listened to that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did sometimes because it was it was uh, a mindless kind of throw on. Uh, plus, when I was training at the other stores, they they both listened to that. So, uh, um, especially the Brandon store, they were very by the book. Um, but uh, realizing that that's eleven years ago that I worked at Fye is still kind of mind boggling to me. Um, 
because it doesn't it doesn't feel like it was it's been that long nor does that song no. feel that old to me but yeah um but it, it's i still like that song i actually ended up listening to that album because i wasn't i wasn't i didn't dislike the new album but i was in the need for something more familiar um so i was like i'll throw the, that album on because i i was kind of vibing with the the style of their music you know they got like a, i would i don't know how to describe it other than it's got like a lot of uh i feel like soul like there's just so much the deep voice and it's like it's kind of there's a weight to the music that i feel like a lot of stuff i listen to doesn't have i don't know what it is it's just it's got a different vibe than a lot of the music i normally listen to so i was just kind of like i'm, I'm in the mood for this it, it was like relaxing and yet still like upbeat because i don't i don't like chill music really i don't like slow stuff and it, it makes me kind of bored um my attention span i think uh hinders like we had a funny example of my attention span in my yearbook class today. Um, one student went to the restroom and we have to keep our doors locked at all times for like safety measures. And so kid came back, claimed she knocked on the door. None of us in the room heard her knock on the door. So like, she's like, I've been there for like two minutes. And we're like, knock louder. Like nobody heard you knock. And then a, a different student went to the bathroom. That student came back, apparently knocked. I opened the door, let him in. He sat down. Ten minutes went by before any of us realized I had moved. Like, I got up, opened the door, let him in, went back to my seat. Do not remember doing any of that. Like, I was, we, I'm just like, wait, how did you get in the room? He's like, you let me in. I'm like, I did what? When? Teleportation. Like, it's, it's important to know I have two, technically two rooms because I have a computer lab and I have a, a classroom that is adjacent to it. We prop the door open. So it's all one room with a narrow doorway. And so the door to the outside is in the classroom part, which is right next to the door to the computer lab. But still, like I do literally not. I still I've been thinking about it since it happened. I'm just like, I do not remember getting up and opening the door. I, I It's like did not happen. But it definitely happened because he was in the room. <laughs> so um you know, uh, I, I know I can zone out at times, but man, that was that was shocking. And to be fair, the rest of the staff didn't remember me getting up either. So like it wasn't like I did it and didn't. And rest of staff right now is like four people. But still, um, everyone else is online still. But yeah, but still, it was. Yeah, it was. It was weird. Oh, big news, too, on the vaccine front. Um, it was announced earlier this week that teachers in the state of Florida 50 and over, we're going to be allowed to get vaccines. Right. So uh, it was, I was a little bummed. I'm like, cause I'm 38. I've never wanted to be 50 before, but all of a sudden I found myself <laughs> like, Oh, I really wish I was 50. And, um, but CVS decided uh, that they were going to open up to all teachers. As they right? should. And then every other company basically followed suit and they all, any teacher, any educator. Um, and so after, I was on like eight websites this morning for each of those places trying to get an appointment as soon as possible and finally got one um, from one company I, I won't name drop, but uh, I got I'm getting my first of the two Moderna shots on Monday. So I'm very grateful um, and and honestly excited because uh, we don't always do movie news, but why not today? Uh, A Quiet Place 2 got an official release date, yes. Memorial Day, and I am a big fan quiet place fan and i was ready like literally my class we taught a quiet place like two weeks before the release for the second one intentionally like it was planned like we're like we're gonna watch this we're studying horror and then we'll go watch that we'll like meet up and go see it and then theater shut down movie got delayed and so i have not been to a movie theater since march 
of 2020, which is probably true for most people. And uh, the last movie I saw in the theater was Bloodshot. It was not a way I wanted to end my theatrical going experience for an entire year, but I will have my second shot on April 5th. And after the uh, the window, I, do you remember how long the window is after you get it before you're like, I know you're never like 100%, but like that you're you're good kind of thing? I'm pretty sure it's 14 days. So middle of April, I will return to a movie theater for the first time in a year and a month. You have theaters that are open close to you? Because as far as I know, the only... Oh, Florida has been open since June. That's right. They're like, meh, yeah. it's fine. This is fake. Um, See, I don't think that our major uh theaters are open here like one of our our local like art house theater i think i'm pretty sure is open but i was so happy when i saw that because our art house theaters are open like um in orlando they've been open for a while and um the there's a theater about 30 minutes away that's open and one that's about an hour away that's open but my theater i think i think may never reopen um as it was at least uh that's the rumor and i am and i've heard nothing from regal to make me think otherwise regal has been silent uh compared to like amc and well um mm -hmm. yeah so i i don't know i think my theater might be might be done and that makes me very very sad um i hope someone buys it and remodels it because it definitely needs an update but um or or there's a big empty piece of property not far from me and i would love for like a brand new state-of-the-art theater to open up after all this but I am uh I'm excited I'm looking forward to mid April or at the very least the end of April I will be in a theater seeing something and then a hundred percent gonna be at Memorial Day weekend um to see a quiet place too because I will be vaccinated and I will still wear my mask as as suggested because that's what they say you should do for multiple reasons and I will follow that mandate. Um but I will I will feel much safer myself sitting in a theater knowing that I'm you know ninety five percent unlikely to get anything and even from the, all the results with the vaccines too, is even if you do somehow still catch it, the symptoms were supposed to be much, much more mild for someone who's been vaccinated than someone who has not. So I'm just like, sweet. I am in, um, I am, I am all in. And of course you, you've, is this, I don't know if it's okay to say like that you've had the shot. Oh yeah. I, I've had okay. both my um, vaccinations just because of where my job is. And I had, I was a little torn on if I should get it, you know, mm -hmm. at first sure. I wasn't going to get it because it hasn't been out very long and I mostly work from home, but I do go out into public and I can be required to go into the office and I actually did have to go into the office yeah. last week and then I'm going to be going into the office for whole weeks, uh, rotating weeks, like a week there, week home, oh. week there, week home starting next week. So I am really glad that I got it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, not to, did you get the Moderna or the, the Pfizer? I got Moderna and Bill, my husband, for the listeners, got Pfizer. Oh, I didn't know that you guys got different ones. That's interesting. Yeah, it depended on um, which location we went to to get our vaccination um, as far as which one they had. So I needed to go during the weekend because my job is I work 830 to 5 Monday through Friday, so I couldn't really go during business hours. Um, so I had to go all the way downtown, other side of downtown Boise to get mine. And Bill was able to get his at the local hospital. Um, that's just a couple blocks from our house. 
so you're you are uh, one of two friends of mine who have had a uh, their their vaccine and both um seem no major side effects or anything afterwards and yeah i would say don't be surprised if you have some flu-like symptoms i don't know the correct term to use for that but that is the like that's the expected stuff so that i don't consider that a major side no just i think that some people went in thinking that they weren't going to have anything Mm -hmm. you know and then it's like so just have some Gatorade for yourself, have some Sprite, be ready to lay down and watch some movies and stuff. Cause, but no, nothing bad. And after a couple of days I was good. And was it, that was more after the second shot or was that both shots? Both. Ah, uh, my, my other friend uh, who I'm not going to drop his name, just, you know, I didn't ask him if it was okay to talk about, um, but uh, he didn't really have any issues with the first shot. The second shot, he was a lot more sore and had a lot of symptoms. A it, lot of those symptoms. Nothing major. Again, it was like a day or two. Just bleh, but It was weird because I was able to get my first vaccination on a Saturday. So I had all day Sunday to rest. But when I went back for my booster, I had to go in on a Sunday because they had booked all the Saturday appointments. And it seemed like the symptoms came on faster for that second dose i was excited i was able to book both of my uh appointments at the same time that's awesome but um but yeah i was i was just grateful because it was it was a struggle and again like yesterday only one place was doing the uh for every teacher at least on the rules that's the thing i had a friend who i guess had heard that other places were going to let you but on the website it still said 50 and up and i'm not comfortable breaking the rules so i went getting turned away Right. I, and, or like, cause if I did get turned away, I took someone else's appointment and I don't want to do that. You know, like I don't want to. A wasted but, vaccination. So, or exactly. So I didn't want to take a chance. I, I waited and it did, it did pay off. I guess I have to wait until Monday instead of getting it on the weekend. And I am like, I'm having to leave work a little early Monday to make my appointment. Cause like they stop at like three 30 for some reason. I don't understand like the appointment scheduling. It's like seven, it's like nine 30 to three 30. I'm like, what y'all don't got like people have jobs. Like what are you doing? Oh, for like, teachers. <laughs> yeah. That's well, and that's, that was the other thing is like they had, we, my system had got some v- vaccines like approved to come, but it was only for 50 and up. So like some of our staff was able to get vaccinated like at the school. Oh, that's cool. But not like I think it was today, although I'm not 100 percent. I don't get to leave my room really once the day starts. So I don't know if that actually happened or not. But um, I was a little disappointed that they didn't open that up. But you know what? I'm not I'm I'm grateful. It's a it's kind of a miracle that we have vaccines that are working this soon into the craziness. I know it doesn't feel soon, but it really is like a science marvel that we have not one, not two, but three now vaccines that have been approved for use two very similar one more traditional but nonetheless still um just that this is even happening is we're we should be extremely grateful i i was expecting with all the talk and everything that had happened last year for it to really become like a contagion style situation where they're having to do like a lottery or something oh that movie freaked me out so hard so So bad why did i watch that like just a couple months after we started experiencing all that but so much of that movie was like nail on the head so it really is and that's that is steven soderbergh kind of style and matt and i did the bampocalypse when it first started which was we both had fun 
but also both regretted it was not necessarily the right mindset to put ourselves in but it was a fun mini series um but with that i think we should probably get into uh what we've been watching because we did you know a lot of what's going on but let's what what have you been watching i I assume not much for you because you had company oh no 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 i stand corrected wait um so shutter has released a bunch of new stuff i watched mm. open 24 hours it's okay the actress in it she makes weird faces when she's supposed to be startled and it just like completely takes me out of it it's like that it looks like dumb like i i think i could do better than that but anyway and i'm no actress y'all um i watched the dark and the wicked which mm. I loved, and I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, Matt, Matt, and Sean and I uh, saw that at Fantasia. I I did recommend this one to Corey, and I'm glad that you liked it too because the three of us all really liked it. it. It's so hard to like creep me out or even like give me the slightest sense of unease, and that movie just knocked that right out of the park. And I like feeling like that when I'm watching horror movies, but I just don't get that very often. So my little cousin was here, and they put the new Tom and Jerry on HBO Max. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 100% unnecessary. Everybody save your time. And so I watched approximately four seasons of Shit's Creek, <laughs> and I finished it. <laughs> hey. They're 20-minute episodes, and it's a sitcom, and it just goes by so fast, and yeah. my grandmother was getting into it, so we just, like, you know... Um, we also watched a series on Netflix called Diagnosis, which is pretty interesting. The doctor that's in it, um, she like writes a article for New York Times trying to crowdsource what uh, people think uh, patients' diagnosis is. That's been you know going to a bunch of different doctors and stuff. But she was also the consultant for House, which I never watched that show, but. Finally, after a million bajillion years on my birthday, I got the absolute treat of watching Minari. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. So good. Is it Stephen Yoon? I, it is a little... Stephen, uh, yeah? I think it's Yen, but I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I, I could be wrong. Um, I, I used to hear it all the time when I watched Walking Dead back in the day, and I would watch Talking Dead afterwards. Um but I haven't watched Walking Dead in years. What, uh, what were you going to say about Minari? Oh, uh, just that it's... I, I also watched it, um, but uh, I, I I also really liked it. It's just, it's hard... To, I, I have a hard time saying it's a treat because there's a lot of, like... Especially in the end, it's a lot of sad and downbeats. I feel like it is, but I feel like overall it's very optimistic. I Interesting. Don't, well, I mean... I don't know how much I can say because it's a new movie, but yeah, I feel like it's very optimistic. The very last five minutes, I feel like, really give a sense of that. But I just feel like everybody in that movie is so great. They're uh, forgetting the mother, the grandmother's name, but she killed me. Oh yeah, she. She's I. I the cast is phenomenal in the movie for sure. Yeah, I just feel like. I had just a few movies that I was really, 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 really wanting to see. And then they just kept getting pushed back and I didn't know what was happening. And then I got to see that one at home. Um, and then I watched on Netflix. I really like documentaries on cults, guys. So I watched um, Children of God, which is very disturbing, but it's 
interesting and it's there if you want to watch it. And then I watched Shook on Shudder. And I mean, it was fine. But I would say if you're going to watch any of those new movies on Shudder to go with The Dark and the Wicked. And then I've been watching Murderous Affairs. And that's all I got. Uh, that was a list for you. Uh, you tell you were off for a few days. Um, yeah. Had some time to watch some stuff. Um, so this is going back to uh, last um, Thursday. I watched uh, The Father, which is Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. Um, I got I had a screener for that, and uh, it is available in theaters. And I think it's it's got to be on VOD now because it it dropped in theaters. Um, I think last week. Oh, maybe not. I guess it's still only in theaters. Um, it, it's the movie Anthony Hopkins is getting a lot of buzz that he's going to get an Oscar nomination. And uh, I would not have any issue with him winning, despite being a huge Riz Ahmed fan from uh, Sound of Metal. That's who I really want to win uh, this year. But I would totally be fine with Anthony Hopkins in this performance. Um, it is a really great movie. I was really kind of blown away by it. I was not aware of what it was. Um, then I watched Minari. Uh, like that a lot too. Um, I should note that Minari won the best foreign language film at the Golden Globes, even though it is an American film, but majority of the language is not English, and thus it was nominated for a essentially what is usually a foreign film category. Um, so good on you, Golden Globes. It, it, it did deserve a nomination. Uh, it is a very good movie, and I think it did win. In fact, um, if I I feel like I just said that, but. Um, Matt and I reviewed I Care A Lot for the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. That is a um, Rosamund Pike-led movie with uh, our boy Macon Blair is in it for like 30 seconds. Um, You're muted. Thank you. I was going to say, was it only like 30 seconds? Because I feel like every movie that I've seen him in recently, because I watched Florida Project not too long ago. He's in it for like 30 seconds and then i was hoping he would have Super a important role. bigger part in this because we love him we think he's great we do it's mutual yeah he's he, he's not in it much uh it's a little longer than 30 seconds but it is it's it's a major narrative component he's just not a major character um but uh it, it's not it's not a bad movie it's also not a movie that's easy to recommend um it's very frustrating but uh it's on Netflix. Actually, it was an interesting thing. This is the first time we've encountered this. It is on Netflix here, but it's on Prime everywhere else, apparently. Uh, so interesting. Uh, it was a weird thing because I'm like, it's on Netflix. Matt's like, no, it's on Prime. I'm like, no, it's on Netflix. And I thought it was a Netflix movie. It is a, in the U.S., it is a Netflix distributed movie, but that they get to drop their name as a Netflix movie. But it, apparently, uh, Amazon got the rights to distribute elsewhere. That happens a lot with theatrical stuff where like Sony will release the film here, but it'll be released by a different company overseas. It has not to our experience happened with the streaming services um, like that, where one gets it here and a different one gets it over there with an original quote unquote original um, one of their films. Like, cause it's uh, I think Amazon's marketing it as an Amazon pictures movie overseas. So it was a, it was a fun kind of cultural clash there. Interesting. Um, we are uh, tomorrow, Saturday, uh, when you're listening to this, potentially, Matt and I are going to be recording our new episode of Astrology uh, from 19, we're, we're covering the year 1985. So I've been uh, watching a lot of 85 movies. And w the last one on my list that I wanted to see was a, an Akira Kurosawa film called Ran, which is uh, his adaptation of King Lear, the Shakespeare play. 
Um, man, that dude, a hot take, everybody. Great filmmaker, Kurosawa is. I don't know if you know this, but great. Um, I've only seen three of his films, but every time I'm just so blown away. Uh, I need to, there's like three big ones that I want to watch that are all on HBO. Um, and I just need to jump in and do it. But, um, uh, the blank check podcast, uh, Patreon, they're, they're doing the star Wars. I'm sorry. They're doing the star Trek original five films. Um, and so I watched the wrath of Khan for the second time. I've actually, that was the only original star Trek film I'd ever seen before. Um, which I watched in preparation for, uh, the second JJ Abrams, star Trek film into darkness. Um, and I, I liked it when I saw it several years ago, like right before Into Darkness came out. But I, uh, I really am vibing with the Star Trek movies. Like I actually like the motion picture, even though a lot of people hate that one. I was kind of into it. It's real chill. It's it's not a lot happens, but I was just like totally feeling the the whole uh, thing. And I, I rewatching Wrath of Khan, I loved it. And I found out by listening to the podcast that there the episode of the original Star Trek the TV series that has Khan. Um, I had never seen and I wanted to watch it and it's on Hulu. Like all of the Star Trek is on Hulu basically. So I hopped in and I watched that one episode. Now I think I'm going to watch the original Star Trek. I was really into it. And I'm like, I've never been really that intrigued by Star Trek. I even, I'm, I like the JJ Abrams slash Justin Lin movies. I actually like beyond the best. I, I just found it to be so much fun. Um, but I, I am really kind of interested. I don't know if I a hundred percent will, because I'm old. I have too many lists of things I want to do this year movie wise um and that leads me to the next one because i've added a new list of i i am my film three honors class next year they're right now they're my film two class um they're only going to be five people uh and that's not enough to have a full class on its own so they're going to be merged with another one of my classes and what we're going to do is i'm going to have film three honors in the same period as my yearbook program and my film three honors class and i are going to attempt to make a feature-length documentary called yearbook where we're going to show what it is to be a part of the yearbook staff what it is to make the yearbook what the expectations of the school and your city um and all the work and hours that go into it and so uh in preparation for this uh, endeavor that's going to start pretty soon because we uh next year's yearbook planning will start in april um i'm watching uh, educational documentaries and documentaries about creating stuff so like the idea being this is kind of a hybrid you're going to see an educational documentary but also the end game of, of this product of like all this hard work all these man hours going into this final product so um i watched two this week uh most likely to succeed which is from 2015 and i really recommend uh if you're an educator especially um i like this one a lot and uh um, and then I watched one that got a lot of buzz back when I first started teaching called Waiting for Superman, which I found kind of frustrating, um, which is why I hadn't watched it before. It is hard to separate my own kind of experience as a teacher with some of the things that they say. And uh, it also like some of the school systems are way different than the way our system works. But then I watched Blue Velvet. Um, I feel like I maybe watched some other shows, but I don't remember what. Maybe not. Just that Star Trek episode. But. Oh, and WandaVision. I finished WandaVision today. But that is what I've been watching. Um, anything to comment before we move on, Corey? Oh, it just made me think of, I only ever saw a couple episodes, but um, just that show, How It's Made, I think it was called. Yes. Which was cool, but makes me 
kind of think of your your book documentary i actually probably should check a few of those out um i've watched the well i'm sorry that's movies that made us but how, how it's made is a good idea um one last shout out i want to give though uh our we uh, several years ago we interviewed alejandro montoya marin um after i watched his movie monday when i was at south by southwest that was 2018 when it was at south by southwest um and really liked monday um alejandro came on to the podcast he did his top five when we were still doing the top five movie podcast and um stayed in touch been just we had such a good time doing the podcast episode with him he was super friendly um i would i would call him a friend although i've only known him virtually um and he's had a lot of other projects i got to do, uh review his film millennial bugs last year which was excellent uh, i think you should be able to see that sometime soon listeners but i found out um from we also interviewed the lead from monday uh jamie um, on an episode and uh, Jamie went on to start his own podcast, which was cool because I've, I've done that with a few of our, our past guests have started podcasts after being on our show for the first time. So I'm, I take a little bit of pride in that. Um, but I found out from Jamie uh, on his Instagram that uh, they made Tuesday, the sequel to Monday as a graphic novel. Alejandro wrote it and then had, uh, I guess, a friend or somebody um, put it, you know, do the art. And uh, I, I just got mine in today. I got it from Amazon. Um, I was super excited that I, I found out it was there. So I, I posted some pictures with the, the graphic novel, but um, I, I love supporting uh, independent talent. And I think Alejandro has got a great sense of humor. So if you saw Monday or if you've, uh, the, Monday was available for a while on Prime. I don't know if it still is, but um, you, you can probably rent it or buy it. And I just recommend doing that. Uh, it was part of the Robert Rodriguez Rebel Without a Crew uh, TV series that was on the El Rey Network. Um, it was, that was such a cool thing that he did. I, I really hope he does it again. Cause I just thought it was such a cool opportunity for these young directors to get to make a feature film. Um, Alejandro's just really stood out to me and, uh, he's making a bunch of other stuff right now too. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of it, but I wanted to, to plug his graphic novel. If you get to see Monday, um, and I, he did, he also let me teach his movie, uh, to my seniors last year. Um, Actually, it, technically, we did it the year before they were seniors, but uh, and he again, he was awesome and, and did a uh, Skype call with my class and did Q and A and talked about the movie. So it was just, uh, you know, this podcast has been this podcast through the website has been really cool, giving me a lot of opportunities and and I've made some cool friends along the way. Um, so shout out to Alejandro, keep up the good work, bud, and thank you. Uh, for supporting us in return because you, you thank me for supporting you, but you've definitely been a, a big supporter as well. So um, that's a, a pre advertisement to our sponsors. So with that, we will cut away. And when we come back, um, we are going to be talking about David Lynch's blue velvet. Hey, this is Matt from what I watched tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director focus shows, end of year rankings, start of the year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. And we are back, folks. So let's get into the stats. We like to talk a little bit of the details of the movie that we're reviewing. Uh, 1986, just one year after the astrology. I wish it would have been 85. It would have been such a nice sync point for me. But one year later, um, Blue Velvet comes out, directed by, as we said, David Lynch, stars some big names here, Isabella Rossellini, Kyle MacLachlan, who will then go on to work with Lynch in Twin Peaks, Dennis Hopper, such a young 
Laura Dern in this movie. Um, and then uh, Dean Stockwell. I was excited uh, to see him because I love Quantum Leap. Right, I grew up watching Quantum <laughs> Leap. I haven't seen Quantum Leap in years, but I watched it a lot as a kid. Um, so it was cool seeing him. Uh, what, what was his I can't think of his name on the show, on Quantum Leap. Um, Al? I think so. He was like an AI character, right? Like that was the whole premise, but... And then, of course, the uh, the Lynch staple, Jack Nance, is in there for one scene, but he's weird as always. Um, he's in most of his movies. Uh, Brad Dourif, I'm looking to see, because he's got... Lynch has his cast that kind of follows him from movie to movie. Um, but uh, McLaughlin, I want to just give a shout-out right away. Dude took his shirt off and was ripped. That dude was <laughs> buff in 86. I was like, What? Because I've never thought of him like for all that my first and in, in, in coffee. <laughs> Diane. Um, yeah. <laughs> my uh, my main my first real like like awareness of him as an actor was in How I Met Your Mother because he plays the captain oh. um, for several episodes. It's not he's a recurring character uh, connected to a girl that um, spoilers I guess that Ted will end up dating. It's not really if you've seen the show, but um, and he's obviously much older there. That's kind of one of the running gags is he's probably like 10 or so years older than his, the girlfriend or whatever. And, um, and then I went back and watched Twin Peaks. I'm like, Oh, that's the guy from how I met your mother, which is obviously not how other people knew him, but that was mine. Um, and I, I've really grown to like Kyle McLaughlin as an actor. Like he's in a lot of stuff that I hadn't realized too. Um, he's in way I've seen him in more things than I realized. He just didn't stand out to me. Um, initially, like I'd seen, I saw Showgirls when I probably shouldn't have. Cause yeah, I came out in 95. I probably saw it in 96. So I was like 14 when I saw Showgirls, but it was Jesse from Saved by the Bell. So it was like, it was like, ah, um, but McLaughlin's like in that. And then he's in the doors, which I didn't realize until just now. Who is he in the doors? He plays Ray Manzarek. I don't know who that is. Um, oh yeah. And he's the villain in Flintstone. So I'd seen him in a lot of stuff, but I just had forgotten that I'd seen him in all that stuff. Um, when I saw how I met your mother, but um i like mclaughlin a lot and he's really good in this um isabella rossellini i first became aware of because of a friends episode where ross has her on his uh list but then removes her from his list the list of like celebrities you could sleep with if given the opportunity without getting in trouble with your significant other that was the episode um and then he runs into her and there's this whole awkward exchange because it's ross and of course for me laura dern jurassic park Right? That's where I know her the most is where I've, I'm pretty sure that's the first time I'd ever seen her before. Uh, I've seen her in a lot of stuff since then. Um, I've become a huge Laura Dern fan, like big, big stand of Laura Dern. And then Dennis Hopper, my first encounter with Dennis Hopper, probably a lot of people my age first encounter speed, right? He's the villain in speed with Keanu Reeves. And uh, so I, I'm a fan of like basically this cast uh, listener. If you, if you are watching the movies along with us, and this is your first time, I apologize, because this movie is not for everybody, for sure. Uh, and neither is David Lynch. Lynch is a uh, thought-provoking filmmaker. He is definitely an auteur. Uh, he is not concerned with mainstream by any means. If anything, he's looking to uh, throw what looks like it could be a normal mainstream movie in your face, only to like twist it and manipulate you. And he shows that right at the beginning. Um, but I... I definitely like this film. I still, I think, I think Mulholland Drive is probably my favorite Lynch film now. And then Elephant Man is like probably right there. Um, J 
just realized Anthony Hopkins was in that and didn't put that together when I was talking about him earlier. But um, I and I like Eraserhead's real tough. We watched that on this podcast. Um, I don't. I think we both appreciated it, but I don't think either one of us would say we like liked it. I still haven't seen Dune. Um, I think Dune's like the next big one on my list of his that I want to check off, especially because we're getting Villeneuve's Dune this year, probably. Um, we're supposed to be unless something happens. And uh, I've never seen Wild at Heart, which I really want to watch because it's Nicolas Cage. Oh. And Laura Dern and Willem Dafoe. I have to watch this movie. Oh, man. It looks like I have to buy it on DVD because it does not appear to be digital. But um, Corey, Blue Velvet, this was your first time? Yeah. No, and no, no, no. You... I've watched oh. it before, but I couldn't believe like watching it again. I can't even remember when I watched it the first time. Um, I couldn't believe how much I didn't remember. So that was, yeah. I, I've i only seen Mulholland Drive like one time, I think, but I feel like that would be my favorite. I love Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, Twin Peaks, but I don't count the show. yeah as his film so i wouldn't put that there but i do think the show is brilliant yeah um super weird haven't watched super weird but all of the new season but to me i feel like i'm i'm just looking at his work as a whole i haven't seen elephant man um (gasps) really really oh i made a mistake of teaching elephant man like not not a mistake but it was literally the first movie i showed my first year kids that was a mistake. That is a not it's accessible, but it's still not accessible for a group of students who have come in with a one black and white movies are bad. Old movies are bad. I haven't even attempted to dissuade them of that yet. And I'm like, here, watch this really artsy movie. <laughs> and yeah, I did not. It, my daughter loved it, but I've trained her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> A lot of work put in on that. Um, I maybe I'll like this more after we talk about it as I so often do but i don't feel like i need to maybe watch this movie again i would rewatch mulholland drive again in a heartbeat but yeah um I, so I, I was concerned because we watched uh frenzy the alfred hitchcock movie last year and there is a very disturbing rape sequence in that movie um which was shocking because every hitchcock movie i'd seen was pre uh the Hayes code dismissal and so his movies were tame like tame as tame as they ha- tame's not right they were censored basically he wasn't allowed to do certain things and frenzy was outside of that and it was a, a one of his last british films and there's a lot of nudity and again a very not it's a disturbing rape sequence it's it definitely there's been worse rape sequences in film for sure but it's still all rape sequences are uncomfortable. And that one was in particularly challenging. And that was when I think the first time it became very, very apparent that like, that's a trigger for Corey and she's, she'll want to shut the movie off. And then what did we just watched uh, <laughs> uh, platoon really bugged you and not, there is a, a implied rape sequence in that film, but it's uh, that wasn't nearly as graphic as what happened in frenzy, but still upsetting. Um, but I think it was the violence in that more so than the the rape sequence that the whole, got you triggered. The whole thing, just the absolute disregard. So I was a little concerned. Uh, it's not, I don't know what to call this because it's not a rape sequence. It is a forced 
sexual encounter. Wouldn't that? So I guess, yeah, I don't, I guess in my head, like, yeah, I, I guess, like, in Frenzy, it's a physically forced rape, right? Like, he's manhandling her and grasping her and, and attacking her. Here, he is mentally manipulating her, or I, I guess that's not even accurate. Uh, it's not spoilers, because it's in, like, every synopsis that I read had some reference to her having her family kidnapped. Um, even though that is a reveal, it's an early reveal. Um, but Dennis Hopper's character, Frank Booth, is the villain. And there's a very intense scene early in the film. Um, but it's also, it's weird because it's Lynch. And I, I read, um, I think I read, or it was an interview. I can't remember. I watched a few things and I read a couple things that um, during that film, the filming of that sequence, Lynch was laughing because of the, like the, the sounds and the things that Hopper was saying. And again, it wasn't, it's not real, right? Lynch knows it's not real. So it's not, it's not the same intensity if you are like aware. And apparently now, even when Rosalini watches this film or that scene, she laughs because she remembers Lynch laughing and she, so like it it like took the bite out of that sequence for her which i found kind of shocking but also like in a I like, mean, oh, yeah some of what's said in that scene scene is kind of or those scenes uh is kind of you know i it I would can see different context it would be silly yeah um and so i wasn't sure how you were going to to vibe with it because of that but it, you you made it through yeah um, so I, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't watch this again. Um, I, I watched two different analysis videos on YouTube. One from the, uh, a guy we've gone to a few times, the renegade cut we watched, uh, most recently we watched his video from, um, the Wolverines. What's it called? Uh, red, red Dawn. I could not think of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that and, amazing, awesome yeah. piece of cinema. Um, so I, I was, a. Uh, I really liked the Renegade Cuts take on that. So, and I saw that he had done one here. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to check this one out. I, I really like his analysis of this. Um, I found it to be uh, very helpful to like processing the stuff in the film. Because that's the thing. If you have watched any Lynch films before, or if, you've, if you're just familiar with him, he never gives you one thing. Like there's always the surface level story that you can look at and you can take it for what it is. And, it's not going to make complete sense, but there's still enough there that you can kind of get what's going on. You're going to say it's weird. You're going to say like, I don't fully understand this. And you're completely right on both of those things. If you are willing to do the footwork or find someone who has done the footwork for you and tell you about it, um, there's a lot to peel back on Lynch films. And the renegade cut does a really good job of kind of explaining and like uh, showing things and, I mean, things that I like normally am, I feel like I'm better at picking out, but for some reason with Lynch, I just get kind of distracted by everything. And I don't always immediately see uh, like the connections. Like the movie opens with pretty much opens with the, the ear that McLaughlin finds. Like it's pretty early on, he finds a severed ear. And one of the last shots of the film is oh, sorry, when we find that ear, it like zooms in slowly into the ear. And then at the end of the movie, we zoom out of Kyle McLaughlin's ear and there's this, you know, like we're entering this weird dreamlight state and then we leave the dreamlight state. Like it's, it's so many things like that. Um, the renegade cut did a really good job of kind of breaking that stuff down and helping me kind of process 
And then um, I didn't make it through this other video. Um, I actually started two. One felt like he was just repeating the same stuff the Renegade Cut said. So I was like, well, I don't need to watch a second one of this. But this one's uh, by Cinema Wizard Boy. I guess that's a good YouTube name. Um, and it was unmasking the psychology. And he was like basically breaking this down as a Freudian uh, like parable almost. Um, where it was like really emphasizing all of Freudian's theories. And, and that made a lot of sense, especially the that scene, the, the sex scene. Um, because Hopper says like... Uh, mama and uh, he calls himself baby i think or daddy um and uh there there's apparently rosalini when she you know she like she sits in the chair and she like spreads her legs and he says spread them more or whatever um and you don't see it we're looking from behind because we're in mclaughlin's pov there apparently she was like legit naked under the robe and hopper didn't know <laughs> and so like he was just kind of like whoa uh what is happening um well but um i i it's definitely not a movie that i'm like gonna rush back into but i totally could see watching it again because i do find it so it's so interesting uh the renegade cut pointed out that um it's this it's weird because i knew it was an 80s movie and when I was watching it, I was aware of it being an 80s movie, but it also doesn't feel like an 80s movie completely because there's there's a lot of anachronistic kind of elements to it. That's why I, I'm glad that because I that's who I when we were talking earlier, I couldn't remember. That's the video that I one of the videos that I watched, too. And I thought that I must have missed something because I couldn't place the time period, if that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, they in in the renegade cut he he says that they just kind of mesh it together which makes that's what i, I wouldn't put that past lynch at all cuz it's it's a fictional that's what he wants world so it doesn't matter right yeah cuz even like the clothing in the cars like looks so much older but it just there were so many things that made it not seem like that same time period but i was glad that he said that so i knew that i hadn't missed something because it was kind of throwing me off the whole movie actually which i think that's what it uh you know that's what he wants because it is like a dreamlike state there's a lot of noir vibes noir is a genre that exists in a time period so it's like 44 to like 59 i think is the the range in which films are classified as noir anything outside of that frame gets dubbed as neo-noir as new noir um and so this is like a noir story there's you know it's fatalistic it's nihilistic for at at points um you have the mystery and the detective element he you have the femme fatale character with isabella rossellini basically kind of pulling this innocent into this world that he wasn't prepared for um so many little things uh i you know what's been driving me nuts though is um you know what let's let's pause Corey and i I, I like the movie. Meh. I think you at least appreciate the movie. I can um, appreciate it, but I feel like I'm more lukewarm on it. Um, so we're gonna get into spoilers because I just I, we've probably already danced over spoilers <laughs> or have given spoilers, but um, there's so much in this movie. So I think even if I did spoil something, uh, apologies. We Hi. usually are a little more careful with that, but there's a lot left to spoil. So we're gonna go ahead and get into spoilers, guys. From here on out, we're gonna talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. Okay, so uh, the scene with um, 
I've, I've forgotten his name. Hang on. Uh, Dean Stockwell. Um, he is Ben in this. Uh, he sings a song. He sings the um, uh, Sandman. Candy Colored Sandman, I think is what it's called. Um, and I have seen that scene somewhere. And it is driving me insane. Because I, I at first I was like, they must have done this in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And that's what I, I'm just like conflating those two things because they do a lot of parodies in that movie uh, apparently not like i searched it it's not in that so i'm like okay where have i heard this song with that like i've seen that setup before like him like the way he's holding the microphone and the white face so either i've seen it just in like anthology stuff which is like you know like uh someone discussing cinema or whatever i've more than likely have seen that but it's it's driving me insane so if if there is a movie that has either parodied that or has like directly shown that scene, like maybe a, a character is watching the movie or something. I need to know because it's driving me crazy, but I've not been able to find it on my, I have not put a lot of time into searching for it, but the little searches that I did, it did not pop up with anything conclusive. So I don't know, but I definitely seen that scene before. It's so, it's so twin peaks, right? Like it feels like so much of this movie feels like twin peaks to me, the red curtains at the club where she sings, um the the her room like her hotel room there's moments that feel very like uh was it the what's the 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 mystery room in twin peaks that he keeps seeing like um the guy talking backwards and stuff oh i, I want to say you. the red room but that doesn't seem okay. right i can't remember i haven't seen it in a long it's time. something like that um but that there's like that that vibe happens a few times in the in uh twin peaks um there's uh early in the film we start off with yeah, like right, a right. dude like watering his grass and then we zoom in uh to like bugs like climbing all over each other and uh the opening of elephant man is very similar to that so like i i caught those like repeated visuals of these kind of like monstrous like insects um there's a lot of like lynch the lynch styles here like there's no deviating from that i love studying that about filmmakers and seeing their their kind of repeated patterns um the the mystery in this is is compelling and not because it's not like a true mystery i guess like at first he's like hey wonder where this ear came from which by the way way too casual with picking up a, a, a like, severed ear that's evidence you shouldn't be touching that yeah. <laughs> he just, just just, i wouldn't want to in a paper bag yeah it's he like brings his lunch and i love how chill the cop is about it. he's like oh what you got there oh severed oh. ear huh let's take a look yeah, that's an ear. That's it. Uh, we're gonna and even we're gonna like investigate. when they go back to the scene to look for more in that felt that field. He's just walking around, you know. I'm just like, this is far too casual. This would never happen. Well, maybe it would. And then hot Frank Booth's character calls uh, the husband Van Gogh, which is so messed up because <laughs> he cut his ear. Um. But he has Booth has the son and, and uh, the husband. Um, we don't really get any kind of clarity on like why why that I, I didn't feel like I understood why the, the sequence in the her apartment at the end where like the the one cop who's work playing both sides has been hit in the head or like shot but not killed. I don't really understand what I'm seeing there. And then um, the husband's been killed. And his brains are splattered on the, the bar. And it's a very disturbing scene. But it also, I'm like, what's happening? And then the, the big mystery twist is that the man, the fine dress man, 
which would later inspire a ZZ Top song, um, is uh, Frank Booth um, in disguise, which I, I, I was, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Because at that moment when he's like in the apartment, I'm like, I'm like, you know, the one loose end in this movie is who the fine dressed man was. Because they put a lot of emphasis on that guy and we got nothing. And then I was like, oh, there he is. Oh, <laughs> like it all like kind of clicked at once. I was like, all right. Good, good job, Lynch. You, you, you threw me because I was really like, it's not like Lynch to, to introduce something and not give us anything with it afterwards. And then I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the payoff. And uh, it was a good payoff. I thought it worked. That's, again, I I feel like watching a David Lynch film is like unwrapping a present from a relative who you know is going to buy you something really weird that you'll never use but just seeing what it was is worth the experience of opening it, right? Like, you you know that this gift isn't going to be good. It's definitely not going to be something you asked for. That's but a just good to way to see what, right? what you like, asked for. <laughs> I, I didn't want this, but I'm also really excited to see what it is and what it does and why you picked this. Like, why of all the things is this what you gave me? And that's like for most of Lynch's films, that's how I feel when I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, I, w- I would never have asked for a racer head, but thank you, I guess. Um, I'm forever shocked and disturbed. <laughs> yeah, very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then every once in a while, it's like, oh, you know what? This one worked enough. Like Mulholland Drive. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I get what's happening here. It's a really compelling story. You get really great performances. Okay, cool. And then it's like, oh, Twin Peaks somehow somehow you make this soap opera work like this music is horrid but i love it like i, I can't love it. it's so good it shouldn't be good it's so over the top and cheesy but my god is it memorable you know <laughs> like i i hear it all the time like if i'm ever like in a i'm just sad kind of a day i just hear the twin peaks music i'm like oh no starts so playing in the background i mean so like yeah that's it was just I, I Twin Peaks that's... Day the other day. Is it February oh, 24th or something? It's when he first drives into Twin Peaks and he's recording on his little, you know, tape recorder. He's like, it's blah, 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 blah. And February 24th or whatever the day is, Diane. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like with, like, I just feel like I didn't really care about the characters in this movie. And I felt like it was way too long. I try not to reach for my phone and stuff. When I'm watching movies, especially for this, um, but I just, it was so hard. It is exactly two hours. I did not feel like it was too long. Um, I did. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I was definitely um, into it. Uh, again, I, I really like McLaughlin as a, as a lead, especially even though he's not technically a detective, he's playing a detective role. And I love him in that role. I think he's so like he's really good at at thinking think acting like you can tell when he's like processing you know his face just kind of like crunches up and he's just like what and um there is an exaggeration to his performance that fits lynch's style a lot and i think that works and i'm sorry how great is baby dern like baby dern i know she came up on the screen and i was like what a baby yeah she's and it's only it's only eight years to jurassic park from here like so not even because she's gonna film jurassic park two years at least before it comes out so she ages not a lot like not in a negative way 
uh, and honestly, God, she looks amazing now, right? Like she still oh, looks super so young, great. and there's she, and she can't be young because it's it's this is forty years ago, uh, so you know, or almost thirty five years ago. Um, I think she was yeah, twenty in this, uh, or tw- but but my point, yeah. like she she can't be young now, but she still looks really young now. Is what I'm saying. Like she's as many actors somehow defies aging, um, but she dev she ages she looks much more adult in Jurassic park than she does here. So like she hears, she looks like a baby Jurassic park, totally by her as like an archeologist who's probably in her thirties. Um, and again, not in a, not in a negative way. I'm not saying like, Oh, she aged so bad. I'm just saying like, it's crazy to think there's that small of a gap. Although I guess this also would have filmed probably two years before it came out. So. Fair. I was wondering, like, yeah. is it just from you have a revelation? like m- having more experience by that point? you know it's possible i mean it could be makeup um it could be like because she's obviously uh here she's trying to look young and in jurassic park she's it could just be the hair and um she's wearing like you know work clothes there and here she's wearing like a dress and she's like giggly and i guess she's she's not a teenager she's a college kid oh i thought she Um, was a i thought that she was still in high school i thought she was a senior and he i couldn't tell so I guess, again, I don't like to break rules. So the fact that they were drinking made me assume that they but were But then I was also that. like, what time period is this? Was it legal? I don't know. That's a fair point. Uh, I, again, there is no official answer there because I don't it, I think it exists outside of our world in reality. So it, it doesn't have this. It's like a meshing of all those different time periods. I mean, there's so much here, folks. Um, we can't, and we're not, we've only seen it once. So even trying to like act like we know everything is, is ridiculous. I, um, but I, I like it. I like this type of thing where I never felt like a, a racer head is abrasive and oh, in your face and weird. Kind of hard to yeah, watch. Sometimes. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Right. This is not that this is like at times almost zany but dark zany like it's like hopper's character is so over the top i mean he's almost super mario brothers king koopa level like bad acting at times Maybe but mario. it's again on on purpose well he was king koopa in the super mario brothers oh movie. was he John, like Wazamo. yeah 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 uh which if you've never seen the super mario brothers movie with um uh, why can't i think of his name um oh i've had the very unfortunate whatever of watching that hmm. movie Oh, I was a fan of it as a kid because I I was like my brain was like Super Mario Brothers. It can't be bad. So was Super my Mario Brothers. Yeah, uh, so yeah. A lot of us Nintendo kids and at that we just accepted that movie for what it was because we just wanted a Super Mario Brothers movie. And also had the dude from Roger Rabbit whose name I cannot think of, and it's I feel awful. I I would know it any other time, and my brain is like, nope, not this time. You don't get to answer it. But uh, that was probably actually my first encounter with Dennis Hopper and then Speed. Um, but yeah he's you know there's a he has this he's a respectable actor but he can go he's not afraid to go big and go hammy and that's that's what this character is wanting like lynch wants that from this character because he's menacing he's terrifying but he's he's also like funny like uh, my favorite line in the movie has to be when he asks um kyle mclaughlin's character what his favorite beer is he's like heineken he's like f that Paps, boo, ribbon. And it's just like, so I've never heard anybody be that enthusiastic about Paps, blue ribbon. It was a hipster I, before the hipsters. Right. <laughs> I live in an era 
where there's a lot of people who drink that because it was the dollar beer at many venues that I used to play at. Like that was the beer. Like there was one venue where like, like a lot of venues give free alcohol to the band. They're like, here you go. And it was like a cooler of paps. And we're just like, really? Like, we're, are we supposed to drink this? Like what, what is happening? And I was no offense. We've always drank, you know, the moderately priced beer, not the, not the bargain beer. And I've always viewed paps as a bargain beer, but boy, not this Frank Booth character, boy. He loves that beer. Like that's his thing. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, even cause they pour it in glasses too. Like, I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone drink paps out of a glass. Yes. <laughs> it's like, that's a canned beer right there. That's a, Gross. <laughs> that's a, that's a beer where you don't even take it off the, the four pack. You just pop one and drink all, you know, you just lift all the cans. Your like, I mean, it's, you know, um, that part again. And again, he yells it. He I'm not exactly each word is emphatically yelled in Kyle's face. Um, crack me up. It's just, and again, it's on purpose. Like it's not, it's very much by design. It's in who the character is. So, I, I I like this movie. Um, I definitely, I don't think I would dive right back into this, but I definitely think there's a lot here to analyze, and I totally see why. Um, it's worthy of note. I think uh, Roger Ebert gave it a one star and like really hated this movie, so it's worthy to point that out. This movie is not. Did you watch again? It, or listen to that no, review? It's pretty good. I haven't. <laughs> I will. Uh, I love Ebert, so I, I like when he's when he is he's biting boy when he doesn't like something. So I'm sure it's it's brutal, but. Um, I, I read, I read, uh, the article I started reading, um, was a recent article. It was like from the last two or three years. Cause the, he was comparing, um, controversial films from like our era from like, like inglorious bastards got a lot of, uh, heat because it was super violent and also the alternate history. Um, and then, uh, what was the, yeah, there were two other recent films. I think it was like up to like 2013, um, where people got upset about something. And he's like, but before all of that, there was blue velvet. Oh, yes. <laughs> Um, and he kind of goes into, he mentions Ebert, like really hating it, but also then there's other people who really, the Lynch, the Lynch has his fans. Um, and again, he's not making movies for everybody. He's making movies for people who get him. And, and I kind of love that he does what he wants. Me too. Like, I really 100%. appreciate that. Even when things don't work for me, I'm glad that, that he's living his life, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I, I, Lynch is supposed to be pretty weird, but it seems like a lot of people really like him. Um, and I like that too. Like if I, if he did his movies his way and like people hated him and never wanted to work with him again, I wouldn't be cool with that. But from what I've like read and what I've heard, I mean, look, McLaughlin's worked with him for how long, how many people so... were like begging to be in the twin peaks revival. Like people wanted to be in that. I, I respect that because he he's weird, but he's clearly like a nice dude, at least enough, nice enough dude. I've heard like he's he can get pretty strict on a set because he's a director. He wants things to be done the way he's doing them. But I've also heard like people he's respectful. He's not, you know, like a, a director I've heard a lot of bad things about is like David O. Russell or Michael Bay, um, who are are notoriously like really cruel and, and mean to their actors and stuff like that. Like I don't support that. Um especially like at least again with O. Russell, his movies do have like a distinctive style and voice. Michael Bay has a distinct style. We can't deny that. I don't know that there's a voice. Um, he's not saying much if there is. Uh, so, you know, again, uh, and um, 
unfortunately there are directors now like that we're hearing awful things about like joss whedon's getting a lot of negative buzz which is terrible because for a long time he was thought of this really great director and now it's like eh, crap um and that's happening more and more and more uh so again when you have a movie like this where it definitely could have been really twisted and dark and that's uh the article i was just referencing is the one i read about the isabella rossellini um like laugh lynch laughing but not again not laughing at her not laughing at the scene just laughing at the preposterous like dialogue and the way hopper is performing and again what i i never said but the the rape sequence he he i don't think he ever penetrates yeah, i was waiting yeah, like, for I, I didn't know what word to say but his pants are on yeah and so like that's it's it's still rape but there's because I guess there's just so many worse depictions of rape in movies uh, that go way farther and way harsher and way more disturbing. This one's disturbing more because it's so weird than because of the actual rape. It's just like, and again, because he, I don't think it's fair to say it's not rape because he doesn't penetrate or whatever, but I, I really wish I could not use that word, but um because it's still demoralizing and it's still, you know, dehumanizing and all of that. And in no way am I taking away from that, but it is, especially because of the weird, like what he's saying and what, what's happening. And it, um, it, it does, it does make it a different situation, I think, than, than other scenarios. So, um, and also I had read the article prior to watching it. Um, I think where, where it was mentioned that uh, Lynch was laughing. I think, I don't know. It, it's, um, it is again, a tough movie, not denying that, but I, I think it could have been handled in a lot of worse ways and things like that. So I think Lynch has a, a tactness about how he does things, a tactfulness. Um, and uh, for uh, the first part of the movie, I felt like he kept the nudity at a distance and then it does kind of come in more later, which I was shocked by, but like that initial scene, there's no nudity in that sequence. I think they, they managed to like keep her mostly covered up. And then um, when McLaughlin and her first kiss uh, and she tells him to grab her boob, like it's, it's in the background and it's out of focus. And so like, it's, you see it for like a second, but it's, it's again, nudity in other movies can be so much more, in the forefront and so much more prominent and unnecessary, especially female nudity. And I felt like at first he was keeping it at a distance. And then it does again, it, it, it becomes more apparent uh, in later scenes, but, but yeah, overall uh, for a Lynch film, I think it's, it's more accessible than Eraserhead. Um, I'd say it's on the same. I feel like Blue Velvet is very much like a precursor for uh, Twin Peaks. I think it's very much of the same vein, more so than some of his other stuff. Um, Elephant Man, I think, is the most accessible because it is the most straightforward of all of his movies. Mulholland Drive would be second in that straightforwardness out of the ones I've seen. Um, but it does have some of the dreamlike surrealism in it, but not as heavy as as like Blue Velvet or Twin Peaks. And Eraserhead is just all the way out there. That movie's just zany and, and weird. And, and uh, definitely his, like, this is my first movie and I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm, you know, David I Link. mean, I guess um, that's a way to go into it. If you can, I don't want to say get away with it sure. with your first movie or, you know, and keep. It is insane that that was his first movie. Aside from his shorts. I think he had a couple of shorts before that, but like insane. 
Oh, and that's the dude, right? That's Jack Plants, isn't it? The the guy I said is a regular. I just put that together. I forgot that that was um. I'm pretty sure he is a racerhead. Let me, Jack Nance. Yeah, he's a racerhead. Um, oh yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, because he's such a baby. Yeah, he's super young in that. Um, and the mustache. I mean, Eraserhead's only nine years earlier, but yeah, no mustache and the hair. The hair is, you know, the Eraserhead. Um, I really got to see Dune. I've heard not great things about Dune. Our friend and former uh, podcast buddy, Mike uh, Sanchez, big fan of that movie and Lynch in general, but I, I definitely need to check out Dune. Um, and Wild at Heart, I'm going to try to get. It looks like it's on Blu-ray for $17. It's a little pricey, uh, but it's not available digital anywhere, so it's out of print. Let's look other places. Um, I wish, I wish they would put it on the Criterion. It um, probably will after somebody buys it. Right, that's how it works. Um, but that is, uh, I think, the episode. Our first one as we dive into our new month of Jones and for Indies. Uh, before we get into what we're going to be watching on our next episode, let's rate this one. I I'm going to go. I'm going to say not quite golden. Um, it, I know I'm guessing Corey's going to either go decent watch or uh, maybe not a total waste of time, but I feel like that's a little too I'll harsh. go with, because like we said, even if it doesn't necessarily work for me, I can still appreciate it. So I'm going to go with a decent watch, leaning more towards not golden, quite golden pony boy. I, I will take that. I am excited. I just, I forgot what you <gasps> picked. And I forgot I, what I, I picked haven't watched too. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're going to be watching the John Favreau-led oh. film Swingers, um, which is uh, directed by Doug Lyman. And if you're not familiar with Lyman as a direct... Okay. How is that? Sometimes when I search something on Letterboxd, I'm very frustrated that it's, like, not the... Like, I searched Swingers, and it made it the fourth movie on the list. And, like, the, the movie called Swing was first. Like, how is how is that a better result than Swingers? An exact match. I type Swingers. Anyways. Right. Doug Lyman... Uh, Directed Born Identity, American Made, um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Edge of Tomorrow, which is so good. Uh, Go. And uh, the most recent release is in theaters right now, Chaos Walking with Tom Holland and um, Daisy Ridley, which I want to see. I'm just not willing to get COVID over. Oh, yeah. And he did the lockdown movie with uh, that was a lockdown heist movie um, with Idris Elba and um, uh, Anne Hathaway that came out like on HBO Max, I think either in December or January. I have not seen it. I've heard bad things. Um, but Lyman's up and down. Um, but Swingers is definitely a really great entry point. Uh, I've only seen it once, though, in its entirety. However, there's a scene in the movie that I have watched several times because it is so funny. And I think it's a masterclass in comedy. Um, I'm very excited to rewatch Swingers. Uh, how do you feel about Vince Vaughn, Corey? Um, so... You know, I watched, he was like really big when I was in middle school. I mean, maybe not yes, really big, but you know, and my mom liked him. So I liked um, a movie, I think it was called A Warm Dry Place with him in it. And um, huh. he plays a single dad that, you know, moves his son out to the country and is trying to, you know, raise him right after his wife abandons them and stuff. And I liked that movie and I watched it probably three or four years ago and it still is good. Um, and then I... I like him. I haven't watched all of his movies, but you know, I, I don't know what that movie is. Um, I, I'm trying to find it on his list. He says a warm, dry, a warm, place. dry place. I'm pretty sure. 
Cool Dry Place. Cool Dry Place. Place. Sorry, guys. And it's from 1998. And I feel like that's about, you know, the time period he was. And Joey, is that Joey Adams? It might Monica be. Monica Potter and stay on Joey it. Lauren Adams are in it. I, man, I, um, I got really into Vince Vaughn um, in uh, after old school. Old school was like, I think my first like real Vince Vaughn experience. And I was a super big fan for a little bit. Um, he kind of faded. He's, he's had some really good movies the last couple of years. Hacksaw Ridge was a surprise role for him. Cause he's, it's a dramatic role for him. And then he was excellent in fighting with my family. Um, and I've heard amazing things about freaky. I have not watched it yet, but I cannot wait to watch that. Um, and uh, generally I, I like Vaughn. Um, however, uh, I gotta say a little heads up. I, I, can't remember for sure if it was this or made oh. uh, both of our uh where he drives me nuts in the, one of these movies i can't remember for sure i think it's made though this is where he really drives me nuts he is a little obnoxious here but i think he's much more tolerable in swingers and made made he is just downright despicable uh i was just like and please get him off the screen how could i forget have you seen true detective yes he he was season one though i didn't see season two um, he was in, oh, he was in the season with, uh, Colin Farrell. Colin I think Farrell. that's season two. It is. Okay. I, 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 I heard, uh, I love no. season one, like so much. And then I heard, no, it's definitely season two. Um, season two, uh, I heard bad things, so I never got to it. I've heard some mixed things about it from uh, like later. And then uh, season three is, um, oh man. I haven't watched season three either, but I've heard great things about season three because of uh, the actor who's like, man, my brain is not clicking with actors' names tonight. That's usually something I'm good at. Um, I don't, oh I don't God. like how they have it set up on IMDb. It's very hard to navigate like the seasons. They they updated the sh- the website, and I do not like it um, at all. One. The app on Android, especially, is annoying. I do not like the new look. Um, and also, they bought uh, Box Office Mojo a few years ago, and they they removed like all the good features of Box Office Mojo, and I can't stand that. So, thanks a lot, Amazon, owning all the good stuff that used to be excellent. Now it's not as excellent. But that's it, folks. We should probably wrap this up. Um, we're gonna be back next week to talk about Swingers. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Blue Velvet, Swingers, or any of the other movies we're gonna be watching for Jonesing for Indies. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star Two R's on the end. And if you like what we're doing here at uh, Burke Reviews Movie Club, we ask that you take a few minutes on whatever podcast host or uh, catcher that you use and rate and review us. It helps other people find us, and um, that's you know how podcasts survive we need listeners if people don't listen it's hard to get uh, clicks and such so thank you in advance for doing that uh, we will be back next week with our review of swingers until next time stay safe and keep watching movies this has been a burke reviews podcast burkereviews.com